Welcome to Policy Today, thoughtful discussion of current issues vital to the future prosperity of Washington State, produced by the Washington Research Council. Hello, um, this is Chris Schoblum, uh, the Research Director and Senior Economist at the Washington Research Council. Um, joining me today are um, Lou Moore, uh, the Research Council's President and CEO, and, and Emily Making. Um, our senior research analyst, um, and this is um, our Policy Today uh, podcast for uh, February 1st, uh, 2016. Uh, Lou, take it away. All right. So uh, I got an email the other day from the Learning First Alliance, which is uh, a part and adjunct, I think it's fair to say, of the Washington Education Association. And they're calling for what essentially is an emergency summit of education stakeholders around the state because they are uh, predicting that we're going to need 10,000 new teachers in Washington State in the next three or four years, but that uh, they can only project at this point that we're going to have 1,500 teachers to fill those 10,000 slots. So uh, evidently... We have a teacher shortage, and uh, our governor is attempting to address that. And so, Emily, tell us a little bit about the governor's proposal. Well, this is a proposal he made in addition to his 2016 uh, supplemental budget proposal, and it's it's a separate separate proposal. He would increase teacher sal- the, the minimum teacher salary to $40,000 in the 2016-17 school year. And that's an increase of about uh, $4,300 over the currently funded level. And he'd also increase the salaries of all other teachers by at least 1%. And salaries for administrative and classified staff would also increase by 1%. So this is not merely a teacher shortage proposal. Um, Sure. And then the the proposal would also increase funding for for a mentoring program for new teachers and um, and all, all in all, appropriations would total about $84.7 million if this were to be enacted. Okay, and that's, uh, uh, so that's cost that the state will bear, but there will be some additional costs, at least as, way, as things are structured now. Is that correct? Right. Uh, currently, teachers are funded by the state, but they're also funded by local funds and federal funds. And so when the state increases salaries for the, for, the, for the teachers that it funds, the local school districts are on the hook for increasing the salaries that are funded by the local governments and the federal government. So the OFM director has said that they haven't calculated the costs to local districts from this, but there would be costs. Okay. But... Uh uh, but uh, experts have identified this shortage, uh, and, uh, you know, it is an interesting statistic that one out of five teachers leave the classroom in Washington State after five years of teaching, or so say, uh, so say the folks at the WEA. So this, uh, this is an interesting proposal. But, uh, Dr. Shelbloom, how are we going to pay for this? Uh, so um, the governor proposed um, to... Uh, um, close, eliminate um, four uh, tax preferences. Um, these are these specific tax preferences have been on the list, uh, the target list uh, for a number of years now. Uh, 
Uh, so it was really nothing new or surprising about about this. Uh, the four um, the four um, uh, preferences in question are um, uh, one that is uh, uh, is a for the uh, petroleum refineries uh, where they um, uh, do not currently pay use tax on um, gases that they um, um, create as part of the refining process and then turn around and use to fuel um, their um, their operations. Um, it would require non uh, there's currently a non-resident sales tax exemption. Um, uh, and as currently operates, uh, the uh, the out-of-state purchaser just uh, does not is not charged sales tax by the retailer. Uh, the governor's proposal would change that so that the uh, the the uh, out-of-state purchaser would pay sales tax um, at the cash register, and then to the extent that the um, that the taxes paid were in excess of twenty five dollars, uh, would be able to apply to the state for a refund. Um, feeling is that uh, that a number of folks uh, won't go through the hassle of applying, uh, so we'll get more money. Also, some won't go through the hassle of buying in this state, um, if that goes. Um, it would apply, the, the third is to apply the sales tax to bottled water. Um, and the fourth is to uh, apply real estate excise taxes, the real estate excise tax to um, changes in ownership of property when that change takes place through uh, a foreclosure, uh, certain of those um, in, in certain cases. Um, those are the four. So um, taxes have a dampening effect on business activity. Uh, sometimes we can't really measure how much of a dampening effect or negative effect they have, but uh, when we look at foreclosures, which are still a, actually a pretty big problem outside the urban core in Washington State. Uh, foreclosures and, the, and just the sheer number of people that uh, are underwater in their mortgages. Uh, when we look at that, uh, when we look at uh, the, uh, the uh, non-resident sales tax refund, are we talking about any... Uh, real significant impact of business activity here, do you think, Chris? So the, um, um, the, you know, the foreclosure um, um, exemption we're dealing with really is in place to, um, to, to uh, prevent double taxation, you know, that it, when a, a, um, um, a bank forecloses on a on a home, takes it back ownership back, and then turns around and sells it to get uh, the money back that they'd lent on it. Um, without this um, um, exemption, the state would actually um, collect real estate excise tax twice on the transfer of the property from the person who had been living in the um, in the property. Um, to the uh, eventual purchaser of that of that property, um, if you had that kind of cost onto the onto banking onto the banks, uh, the additional cost of that ultimately it becomes a cost uh, that's borne uh, more broadly by through the uh, through the mortgage market. Uh, they don't the banks don't just you know 
pull the money out of thin air to pay that. Uh, it ultimately has to come out of the out of the revenues that they're earning um, through the um, the lending process. Uh, so it's ultimately it ultimately is a tax on homeowners. Um, and, uh, uh, the um, sales tax on bottled water um, will have a little bit less water per, uh, consumed, I assume. Um, with the sales tax refund rather than immediate exemption for out-of-state purchasers, uh, this will have, can have a significant um, effect, on, particularly on large purchases. Um, and and this, is, this is important to retailers in the communities along the border, uh, particularly with Oregon. So we're looking at, and I guess what I'm getting at here are a few people going to bear the burden of uh, helping us get more teachers, uh, something that will benefit everybody in some way. Um, yes, it's kind of narrow. Uh, whenever you take out exemptions, it ultimately is a sort of a narrow tax um, um, tax increase. Uh, you know, some of these things, you know, they you get for the sales tax exemption for out-of-state purchases, you're trying to tax people from out-of-state, which is always attractive to legislators. Um, of course, our retailers will suffer. Uh, bottled water is probably the broadest of the taxes in terms of its impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the, uh, then I, let me then sorry, just follow up kind of on the spirit of the thing. The, 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 um, the tax on the refiners um, is, is uh, probably the narrowest of them. Um, you, you know, the politics of this are such that you know they can just uh, certain legislators can point to big oil companies and say we ought to just hit those deep pockets with a bit more in a, in a tax. Um, although at, at this point the refiners are among the most heavily taxed uh, businesses in the state. Um, I had done um, some calculations a while back. Um, showing that the sort of the average B and O tax paid per employee um, in uh, by the refiners is is a large multiple of, of the the average B and O tax that's uh, that's um, uh, paid by um, uh, per employee in a number of other industries, you know, and. The B&O tax um, uh, per employee in petroleum refining in refining in uh, 2014 was uh, almost $67,000. Um, if you looked at uh, manufacturing, uh, all manufacturing other than refining, the, the B&O tax per employee was a, a tad over $1,000. So uh, we're, we are getting... An awful lot of um, uh, of of tax already, even without this the closing of this particular preference. Well, is it true that uh, that uh, for better or for worse, these folks are somewhat captive, and that there's so much infrastructure that would be easy to recreate somewhere else, and they have a distribution system uh, to to bring uh, fuels into our state? Uh, I mean, are they? Uh, are they somewhat captive to whatever the state decides to do to them? Or, um, or? Yes, you know, yes and no. Um, you know, the distribution system for bringing um, um, raw materials into the state and then exporting product from the state, um, a lot of that is waterborne and, and you know, uh, tankers aren't captive. Um, they can move around, so that infrastructure can be can be redeployed easily, um, and and more to the point though is that is that is is what happens at the margin, 
you know, we're probably not, this is probably not going to cause all four refineries to pack down and leave the state in a year. But those refineries are constantly renewing their capital stock. Um, and and adjusting so that they can change the mix of products they're doing they're um, they're producing here, and and higher taxes will um, um, cause them to do less investment um, and and cut back on the level of activity here, uh, and and as we saw that the the amount of revenue tax revenue we're getting from that activity is huge, and and um, you know five percent cut back in the volume of product going through the, those refineries would have a, a, a major impact on state revenues. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, it is somewhat unique, isn't it, that he is spelling out all the revenue sources he wants to use to, uh, uh, to enact this legislation. So. Well, you know, I don't think there was much move. There, w- there was not room in the budget to add this on without new um, um, revenue sources, uh, and actually, I think that this these tax exemptions are ones that have been trotted out in past years by legislators as as potential ways to uh, to fund for various programs they would have liked to see um, expanded. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, Emily, can you tell us a little bit about? Uh uh, how teachers are paid in this state. Give us a little bit of a little bit of background on teacher compensation. Well, the state sets a a, a state based salary schedule, which is um, based on your years of service as a teacher and your level of education reached, whether you have a BA or an MA or what. And um, school districts are not required to pay teachers exactly um, based on the state schedule. Um, they can. Um, determine it kind of separately under local bargaining agreements. And they can also pay teachers additional funds um, from local levy monies. Um, The only requirements in state law are that every teacher in the state must be paid the state minimum salary. So every teacher, if this proposal were enacted, every teacher would be making at least $40,000. And um, the the average salary in a district can't be more than the average salary on the state schedule. So that's a way to try to keep um, districts from paying a few teachers a lot and everybody else a a very little, essentially. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's basically how it's working now. And, but that could change um, in the next biennium as the legislature tries to comply with the McCleary decision, which, um, Mm -hmm which is going to be dealing uh, in the next session a lot with teacher compensation. So there's, well, yeah, that, that was the next thing I was going to, uh, going to ask you about. So the, the governor has taken this step. It's almost, uh, at odds with, or, or, uh, in min- at minimum, it's parallel with the process that, that he set up this working group, uh, with a bipartisan working group of legislators from both houses. Um, because that is that is exactly the uh, a central issue that they're going to have to deal with is is how to rationalize teacher pay as they try to figure out how to uh, shift the tax burden uh, to the state from the local governments uh, at a uniform rate. Right, um, and if, if it might, I might even say this was kind of premature. 
really, this proposal. I mean, if you're going to increase salaries, I mean, it's just kind of adding another level of difficulty to the to the need to come up with an overall overall solution. I guess. Yeah, it's okay. you know, when you. Um, um, it's unclear how far the the state is uh, legislature will go in reforming the the structure of salaries in this state. But but if they do try to go down that path, um, you know any kind of restructuring of salaries will within the teaching community create winners or losers, winners and losers, and, and at that time it would be you're doing that it would be nice to have some additional money coming in to do a general raise in the average so that you, the, the the losers don't feel like such as such big losers uh, and and going ahead and doing another bump in teacher salaries now when you have it as not not as part of the uh, of the, uh, the the structural reform um, uh, you know may make it more difficult to come up with the extra money um, in the future um, so as Emily was saying, that this is um, uh, the, I, the teacher, uh, the beginning teacher pay pro, um, uh, situation is a real problem that needs to be addressed. Um, uh, but it, it probably ought to be addressed uh, uh, at the same time we're addressing these other issues. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you wrote a little bit, Emily, that the legislature has tried to address this question of uh, of uh, compensating beginning teachers uh, more effectively or more generously and that the districts have uh, have not cooperated as much as they might with this. But yeah, in the 99-2001 operating budget, the legislature uh, increased pay for teachers um, with zero to five years of experience. But during local collective bargaining, some districts um, kind of gave away the pay increase to more experienced teachers. And um, so then in 2003 to 2005 budget, the legislature um, wanted to do a similar thing, but they specified that funds um, shall not be used to supplant any other state or local funding for compensation for these staff as a way to mandate that the beginning teachers get the increase, not the more experienced teachers. Um, But Governor Inslee's proposal does not include this language. So... um, Potentially, um, if teachers are paid from only purely local levy funds, that funding could be shifted to more experienced teachers, and the districts could um, pay the newer teachers entirely with state funds, or you know, mm-hmm. along those lines. That well, could we have happen. a system now where the uh, the more experienced teachers, to say the least, are more generously compensated, but but what have studies told us about this in terms of effectiveness for the students? Well, the bottom line really should be that teachers should be paid based on how well or how well they their their teaching translates into better outcomes for students. But right now we're we're paying teachers based on their years of education or their years on the job. Um, but studies have shown that. Um, when student achievement gains are associated with experience, with teacher experience, they, they're usually um, occurring in the first few years of a teacher's um, career. So after a couple of years, teachers see big gains in, student, in their achievement by their students, but then it kind of levels off. Um, productivity gains kind of plateau as well. And so 
And then also these newer teachers, as you mentioned earlier, are likely are more likely to leave mm-hmm. the, the profession. So it's, it really does make policy sense to do a little bit better job of front loading salaries in order to um, get teachers to be interested in the profession and also to keep them there longer than a f- couple of years. Mm-hmm. And they're similarly on um, with the education uh, education level, teacher education level dimension of this uh, matrix that sets salaries. Uh, um, the evidence is pretty weak on the value of uh, of advanced degrees for right. teaching, teaching. Uh, there's some value when the when the, uh, the advanced degrees are in the subject being taught. Uh, less value when it's just general um, education. Edu- education about education, um, and, and that again is one where we're we're actually forcing teachers to to invest a considerable amount in time and and financial resources to move up the salary schedule. Uh, and with very little ultimate benefit to the students. And, um, you know, there there's, ought to be room for a deal here where we, we, we give the teachers more time in the summer by not forcing them to go back to school and, and more money in their pocket by forcing, uh, by not requiring them to spend a bunch of money on tuition for this education. Um, mm-hmm. Sure. Well, uh, so uh, your summation, Emily, is pretty interesting. I mean, we have this very difficult conversation going on uh, in this working group and and all over this state, but particularly among legislators, about complying with McCleary as we come up to a deadline and uh, the very tough question of how to rationalize uh, teacher salaries when some districts have used local money to pay teachers more and and the whole politically explosive question of asking people to pay more in property tax for possibly less in services. So we have all these difficult things swirling around. But uh, Governor Inslee, according to your uh, your report, told a reporter that, in fact, uh, his proposal may make it more difficult to solve the larger questions here around McCleary. I mean, I find that uh, I find that. Strange, kind of fascinating, but uh, uh, but anyway, I mean, there, there's obviously a problem. He's trying to address it in terms of the shortfall in teachers and the teachers leaving. Uh, but we we've, we've got issues of timing here, and uh, it looks like we also have some issues in terms of how he wants to pay uh, pay for it. Uh, any final thoughts? Not for me. I think that does it. I think you summed it up well, Lou. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much, both of you. This is Luke Moore, and I'm here with Chris Showbloom. Actually, I'm not here. I'm not with the two of you, but I'm coming in by phone with Chris Showbloom and Emily Makings. This has been our Policy Today uh, segment on teacher salaries, the governor's proposal. And we thank you very much for joining us. Policy Today is a production of the Washington Research Council dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.